The year is 1991. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Jeremy. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the podcast where we go through the Marvel Comics universe from its origins to today. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. This is an exciting episode. We have a special, we have two special guests today. More, One me. more, one more than standard. Two special <laughs> guests. I'm very excited about it. We're going to be doing 1991 comics continuing into the world of X-Men and then some, okay? We got a mega X-Men special here in part three. Uh, my first guest, I'm very excited to announce, He, I, I know him because every time I hear metal clanging, I know he's going up the stairs. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? That's good. That That's a joke just for the people who follow you on Twitter and know exactly what you're referencing. Boosting my social jokes. One specific yeah. panel. Uh, <laughs> Of, uh, of Everybody gets it. Strife. That's a strife yeah. joke. Strife jokes strife. are hot these days. Mm. Uh, the other, uh, the other guest, of course, is our is the unusual guest. Uh, unusual in the sense Excuse that me? this is their their first <laughs> appearance. Only only in the sense of their regular cadence on the My Marvelous Year podcast. It's Jeremy Greer. Thanks so much for joining today. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing very well. Thank you both for for having me and welcoming me into the My Marvelous Year podcast world. I'm excited to make my. MYPU debut. I think I did the initials right there. <laughs> Gave us a new um, acronym. Love it. Uh, Jeremy, yeah, where can absolutely. people find you? Where should where should people find your work? Uh, so listeners of this podcast pro- will probably cross over pretty easily to my X-Men podcast that I do with Gary Butterfield, who I believe is guest on the show a couple of times um, over on the Duck Feed Network. It's called Days of Future Cast. Uh, which we did not do any search engine stuff when we named it that. And there's already another podcast named that. So that was terrible, mm. but <laughs> we got it done. Uh, we started with the animated X-Men series and have since branched into comic books. We've been kind of covering random runs. And then um, we just started the brood war, which is the first time the brood show up in the X-Men comics, which has been a lot of fun. Um, nice. So yeah, days of future and then just, you know, my Twitter has all of my podcast stuff because I do Dark Souls and Supernatural oh, TV yeah. shows and all, all kinds of stuff. So uh, at JG Greer is my Twitter. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. exciting to, to fill out. Uh, we, we now officially have filled out our Days of Future cast bingo card with both hosts. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, very, very exciting to have you on. Are you going for the full duck feed bingo spread? Like, do we need to get reviews does, from AV Club fam over here? <laughs> I mean, does Cole read... I mean, he reads comics for sure, but he's like, and mm-hmm. I know he's he's here and there on X Men stuff. Maybe I'd love to have him on at some point as well too. Yeah. Um, now, now, how okay. many? He's of these... not as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're start we're starting at the top. Uh, Jeremy, how many of these comics had you read before? So, like, yeah. first first up today, we're going to talk about uh, New Mutants and X Force. Okay, the transmission from or the transmission mm-hmm. the the transition. Some would say from New Mutants to X Force. Uh, had you read these books before, or is this all kind of coming new to you? So I, I I was collecting comics when these were coming out. Um, mm-hmm. So I was I was a kid. This was primetime X Men for me. Uh, I was buying everything at the 
pharmacy <laughs> rack that I could get my hands on. My poor grandmother spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars thinking I would save these up and sell them to pay for my college tuition. And mm-hmm. not only did I not do that, I didn't <laughs> even go to college. So, <laughs> um, so I, I'm pretty sure I'd read all the new X-Men into X-Force stuff. Um, when we get into the Wolverine stuff a little bit later, uh, I, I still have some of those comics, um, which is pretty fun. I only have like two boxes of comics left from those days, but, uh, it's always fun when you see them, you know, I didn't break them out or anything. I just went to Marvel Unlimited, but mm. so all of this stuff was, is familiar, but you know, I haven't read any of this stuff in decades cause I, I dropped out of mainstream superhero comics, um, in my teenage years and didn't really go back until like my twenties and thirties. So all of this has been relatively new. We did cover X-Force number one on days of future cast. Uh, we did like a slew of number one issues. Uh, we were just kind of bouncing all over the universe. Um, so I had read that one recently and it was really fortunate that you guys wanted me to come and talk about the rest of them. Cause I had a lot of fun reading the next few of those because mm. they're fun comics. Cable is cable. He's good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and this is this is definitely the era where cable becomes cable, right? So we we've yeah. been talking yeah. about yeah. the progression <laughs> of Rob Liefeld entering the Marvel universe as an artist, as a creator. Um and when he comes on in New Mutants in 89 and then into 1990, he's working with, you know, creator Louis Simonson, who's very much of the old guard, right? Of the the way X-Men comics were done in the 80s. Louis, of course, was the an editor with Chris Claremont and then a writer, of course, across series like X-Factor and New Mutants. And when Rob comes in initially, Zach, you and I both actually quite enjoyed yeah. that Cable debut because it's kind of surprising. Like, it's, unironically, it's not even in some, like, this is big and stupid and fun. It was like, hey, this there's a style to this that works it's fresh mm-hmm. it's energetic yeah. but also the characters are like kind of grounded like cable was a cool guy who like worked as a a somewhat fleshed out character that i was interested in and now we're getting into the like oh okay well that's the no wonder i didn't know cable as this character right like it's my, <laughs> my perception of yeah. cable is yeah. not the like the thoughtful teacher right who is just kind of like a father figure to to these kids in uh, in kind of has a gentle, thoughtful touch, right? That's not like usually what I think of when I think of Cable, and we're getting into like why that is. I think at least he transitions out of it hard here, where now everything is war. Like Cable, <laughs> like everything he does is war. He says it constantly throughout these issues, and it's it's clearly setting up what Liefeld is interested in, what Marvel is pushing towards at this point in time, which is the end of New Mutants, right? So we cover here issues 98 to 100. It ends with an issue 100, which is actually a pretty great way to end the series. Like, I actually, I'm quite into the idea of series going for 100 issues and then deciding to become something else. That's, that's something we can talk about. Like, was this the right time to transition? Because I actually think that there's a pretty good argument that it was, but then it pushes towards what the new focus is, which is X-Force and which is harder, faster, stronger, more violent, sexier, right? And and now really getting into like what it is when people think of the, the very broad 90s comics, like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. X-Force number one and, and kind of these comics we dig into. Um, so let's, let's start with kind of the New Mutants conversation because it, it is an interesting end of an era um jeremy i'll toss to you so like issue 98 is really well known because it's the introduction to deadpool as well yeah. uh this other you know uh liefeld and, and fabian nicieza who's scripting all these creation and it's a comic i had read before because it's the introduction to deadpool and when you read it just in those terms it's a very weird introduction it doesn't feel like deadpool <laughs> as we know him today there's so much new mutant stuff that that i'm caught up on now that i wouldn't have been at the time uh jeremy what was your what was your experience reading this comic and like do you do you enjoy the introduction of deadpool was it what you thought it would be 
it you know that's an interesting question because as i was looking at your guys notes that you'd sent me of which issues weren't covered you're like you know hello to deadpool or whatever and i was like this is really the first time and then he's kind of just a non-character like it had him talking a lot and that's that's really about the only thing that they had nailed down um yeah Every, everything else was kind of... And, and he, he's even more fleshed out of the next time, the, the second time that he shows up, right? Um, reading it nowadays, like with a couple of Deadpool movies and a whole history of Deadpool comics and like Deadpool and Cable, which was like one of my favorite series that ran for a little while. Yeah. It was wild because the guy was just like, in this book, was a non-entity, basically. He was just another like costume person to fight. And, oh, he has some weird powers that we're definitely going to talk about later, but not right now. He's a life too design. focused. Like, exactly yeah that, like he's, about, he's, he's a bulky cool. dude that, with a healing factor that can take a punch <laughs> like that's the, and yeah he did that very well i think in this but yeah it was it was weird seeing it because we're so attached to deadpool nowadays or at least i am like you know for better or worse those movies have just one turned me into a deadpool fan so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i hear that zach this is your first experience reading a deadpool comic i want to say is that correct it's uh, correct no, in the club I've... at least yeah, and I, I haven't read that much more. I've read, like, an issue here or there, but I, I really have not dived into Deadpool. I think the most I've read is the, like, is it, like, 1999 series, like, in the Marvel Knights era, I think, that Joe Kelly's run, 98, Yeah, 99, sure. That, that's which, when uh, the character really becomes Deadpool, I think, in the way that a lot of people think of them. Yeah. Um, which we, we won't spoil anything, obviously. But, like, okay, so what, what did you think, then, of... of this issue, which, you know, again, like, big picture very much fits into the progression of... Post-extinction agenda. So that's the mm-hmm. that's the crossover event that we covered at the first part of 1991. That that the, the positive way of reading it in terms of characterization, I think, is extinction agenda and what Cable saw on Genosha really changes him because he goes to this island that is all about enslaving mutants. They bear like them and the X Men and all the mutants that are there. They barely make it out. Right? They get all the, like one of his soldiers. Uh, Rain Sinclair is turned into a mutate, one of his or one of his students, I should say. He's another student, Warlock. He's he dies. Another kid died on the New Mutants Watch, right? Things are going badly for Professor Cable. So his reaction to that is to transition out and say, All right, forget it. It's all war all the time. We need to get these kids into soldiers. And that idea, I think, kind of works. And and that's kind of the backdrop of these three issues. But all right, I'll toss to you, Zach. What did you think of this comic? And what did you think of Cable's transition and also like the introduction of Deadpool here? Uh, Deadpool. I'll start with Deadpool. Um, I don't think he would make much of an impression if I didn't know him already. And I was already primed to know that like this is not the Deadpool that he becomes. So I I was kind of expecting it. It wasn't like disappointing because I already expected that. Um, It's fine. I I don't know. I, I would. I'm not that invested in Lightfield's cool fantastic characters. Yeah, cool costume. Although we have to talk mm-hmm. about it when when, <laughs> when Lightfield sent Fabian Nikieza the artwork for Deadpool and was like, "Here's a new character I'm introducing." Uh, mm-hmm. Nikieza wrote back and wrote, "This is Deathstroke from Teen Titans." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, and went so far as to naming Deadpool Wade Wilson as a joke, like a quote-unquote joke of it being close to Slade Wilson Deathstroke, which is like, that's not much of a joke, it's two letters changed, right? Um, they have the same last name. Anyway, do we that, actually that... get Do we actually get that here? Do we actually get the Wade Wilson name? I wasn't Ooh, paying I'm enough not attention to see if that sure. I don't think yet. so. No, no okay, no. yeah, that, yeah. Anyway, um, he's fine. I think, you know, immediate, this is the first time we've read Liefeld plotting an issue, and you can tell, like, the this is like it, it's what Claremont does that drives me crazy, but amped up to 100, which is just like, here's six stories all running at the same time, but there's no actual like pacing or arc 
to them in one issue. And you know, and I can kind of I can kind of forgive it a little bit in New Mutants because it was like he clearly was like, "Here, you have three issues to wrap up the series and to launch whatever you want to go do next." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like, especially like '98 is just like, here's five different things that happen. Like, uh, Feral is being attacked in the sewers. Cable is trying to recruit um, Proudstar's brother, right? Jonathan Proudstar's brother, mm-hmm. James. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, whatever. Right? Richter is leaving to go rescue Rain in um, in Genosha, etc. Uh, but there's like no broader arc to it and there's no this is like the epitome of comics that are not about anything but themselves to me where like the themes are just totally gone or incoherent and is just like about like the next action scene and moving to the next plot point etc um it's it just has one idea right like the the idea is the is the turning the kids into soldiers turning the the professor into a general and that's it like it hammers that idea home every single chance it has except all the new mutants are gone so it's not even a progress like who's left and it's 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 getting the band together right and it's getting the band together who's going to be the new soldiers team right Mm. because cannonball is the only of the original new mutants who sticks around right like and boom boom, right Mm -hmm. oh yeah boom boom yeah yeah Uh, i always forget that she's like a certified new mutant because uh, she's she's pretty recent <laughs> to the scene i i just like i, I kind of like the the og the, the ones that claremont Mitt did in the first like 25 issues are the ones that like really stick in my head but yeah i like them um yeah i uh, so let's let's talk about it transitioning into um x-force i think i was a little annoyed by it because i was just like why are you using the end of new mutants i i mean i, I can see why because he's taking cable and he wants to carry cable through to that but like this maybe is just a personal preference and less of a like objective critique because because what you're saying about like ending a series at issue 100 you know like wrapping up a series when it's done I like that in theory but to me I was just like I, it felt like Liefeld was just like well okay I want to do something new so I'm just throwing away the new mutants to start my new thing here and he doesn't he doesn't just throw them away he slanders them on the way out the door and i kind of love <laughs> the pettiness of it because there's a whole page spread yeah. where cables running through uh like <laughs> yeah. like on-screen images of the og new mutants yeah. and he like roasts he's like having a comedy roast of all of them like he's just <laughs> taking them all down yeah, explaining sure. why they're no good for his squad and it's i think you know i'm not i'm not a big you know live fall defender i appreciate the success that he had and actually like before i get into before we get even deeper um one of our patrons kyle in in the slack has been recommending this uh the image revolution documentary which is available on amazon prime it digs into like the transition of all these image founders and starting that company which is so we're covering 1991 like they're start they're having that conversation with marvel by the end of this year okay and then by 1992 they're like there's seven of them that all kind of had huge marvel jobs as artists and they're all out the door uh, Liefeld and McFarlane among them. It's a great watch. It, it adds a lot of context. And like Rob Liefeld, very charismatic. He's very funny. Um, he's self-aware enough that like about his art and stuff that you kind of, you, you, I can see why he has such fandom and, and a cult of personality around him. Um, that said, this book has been on its back legs, like, on, like reeling for a minute, I think. It has not been a standout book since Claremont and Sienkiewicz, right? Ooh, Not a lot of I people want to hear we, that. We really liked the introduction of Cable, just to like put that out there. Like, Cable but that's but that's this... crediting the Liefeld Simonson collaboration, which was yeah. never to be because they yeah. they you know clearly yeah. can't get along. Yeah, that, um, that I, felt like a breath of fresh air that then kind of like gets brushed away for what Liefeld is clearly interested in, which is 
his new line of action figures, right? Yeah, but I but I will say whether it's successful or not, yeah. I think it's the right time. I actually think it's a good time yeah, to make this book into yeah. something else. Jeremy, Jeremy, what do you think? Do you have a lot of New Mutants fandom? Are you like protect my protect my squad? Because a lot of X Men fans do. No, I um I, I've given up the defending my squad kind of mentality a long time ago. Like, um, yeah. and that, <clears throat> that's not a subtweet or a troll for anybody. It's just whatever these people want to do like i'm I'm down with like i'm never going to be hold something so precious and dear to me that i have to like argue about it um i was a huge fan of the original new mutants uh that whole lineup that first story the demon bear all of that stuff is so just absolutely brilliant like it's Mm -hmm. i mean there's a reason that it became so popular and then like you can so clearly see the transition like if you just scroll the covers in marvel unlimited you can be like oh right there that's the pot that's the spot where everything <laughs> <Yes>. changed <laughs> yeah and it and it, it like the tone and everything completely changed so i i like the idea of limiting runs on comics i like the idea of limiting you know, yeah i don't yeah. think a movie should be over 90 minutes personally <laughs> like i just don't <laughs> want that to ever happen to me again yeah. <laughs> so ha- having something that goes from the new mutants to x-force especially since they were I mean, it was 91, right? Like, they were, everything was trying to be so edgy, so Gen X, so, you know, just so over the top that I could definitely see why they wanted to do this. I, I'm with I'm, I'm with you, though. Like, the idea of having so many of these stories happening at the same time really detracts from just the enjoyment of reading the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, I want to pick up a comic book and I want to read it. I don't necessarily need for Chris Claremont to explain every single mutant power as soon as they appear in a, in a frame, but mm-hmm. also like want to have some context for what's going on. And like once you finally get into X Force, I think you you're, you're a little bit better with that. But that the last couple of issues, it's like okay, we're we're really going through and having to check off a lot of boxes for the fans and or for you know to make sure that someone in Marvel continuity knows. Oh well, this is where Rain is, and this is mm-hmm. where. It, Richter is doing so someone can pick him up later so yeah. by the time we get to the actual X-Force and we start developing those plot lines I think it's a much more fun book and when uh, when Louis Simonson was actually writing this and plotting these out like Liefeld had all these big new characters like he was bringing in new characters like what Forearm and uh is it that his name Forearm what's his name Forearm yeah you, okay? you know how you can remember Reaper. Zach it, <laughs> yes. it's because he has forearms <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> you can remember by counting right. his arms. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there was, like, all those new characters brought in, but, like, we remarked how, like, it it didn't feel overwhelming. It was like, here's six new mutants introduced during action scene, a Liefeld action scene, yeah. and you were like, I kind of got the vibe of each of them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he does that nearly as successfully here, because, like, Domino's here for a while before I... I, I still kind of don't know what Domino's deal is. Like, I still don't know why she gets to be, like she's practicing with them and it's like you just showed up and shot deadpool and then everyone's like well you're on the team now all right i guess we're working together like you're my new teammate and like he he just he doesn't really have the the chops to like pace this out and to introduce characters in a, a quick snappy way that makes them feel anything more than like a great design because Dom- domino looks great great design like really cool mm. and you know i tons of credit for that but i, I think you know he's just he's young he's fresh to this he's uh you know feeling his oats and uh i I think you know maybe a little out of his depth like storytelling wise um the other thing i wanted to there's a line oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt um this on on the domino thing real quick like there's a line where she tells boom boom or she tells somebody that she's basically the the mother figure of the team and i'm like since when (laughs) you just met them right any of that (laughs) yeah like as far as i'm concerned like 12 minutes have passed since you shot deadpool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's wild to me um, they, I mean, speaking of lines, 
like there's also just like there, there's it, it's kind of funny you know it's it's funny but it's not good writing where it's just like um oh god he says something like uh oh i completely forgot i i'll have to look it up but um yeah so some of the lines here are peak like you know corny steven seagal one-liners um that, oh, you know. anything out of Shadowstar's mouth after he's been introduction, like the that's Mojo the, Smellers and the all of that's like anytime totally that Lafield tries to invent slang, he just fails miserably. <laughs> like he wants to invent this <laughs> language, this shared language, and it's just he doesn't have the chops for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, what? Uh, okay, let, let's talk. <laughs> Liefeld is also becoming like peak Liefeld of like for his anatomy here, more than we've ever seen before. Which, like, I, I kept having the, the feeling of, like, everything is amped up to 100, including just, like, dinner scenes, like, of two people having a conversation over dinner, right, is, like, drawn like an action scene for him. Like, people are, their mouths are screaming at each other. Uh, you know, the way people, like, have a drink looks like they're screaming in pain when they're just, like, lifting a glass to their mouth. Um, and, uh, and everything is just, like, so, so heightened. And I, I had a thought at one point, I was like, it kind of just looks like, action figures all like standing together and he's just like posing action figures and i realized what that was he's got the weirdest thing with hips um i don't appear people people talk about his feet all the time but his hips are the strangest thing where people have a torso and then the hips come out from the side because he gives so much room for the under crotch the like the smooth crotch underneath there's, there's you know like a full foot of crotch exposed because the the hips jut out on either side it's really wild, and once you notice it, I feel like it's noticeable everywhere. It, you know, it looks like a Barbie or a Ken doll. Um, yeah, and you, you and think, that's... like, you think with hips that wide that everyone should be, like, dummy thick, you know, like dump truck booties <laughs> walking well, around, sometimes. but you don't actually get the opposite of that. <laughs> sometimes. It, it, I mean, there there's at least twice where I turned a page and, like, just kind of impulsively, like, barked out laughter at one of the drawings, right, of, like, turn and then cable size are somehow three times bigger than they've ever been and like like thicker than his whole hort torso like each thigh is yeah. bigger, like <laughs> he's like it, it's the jinko jeans style but it's he fills those jinko jeans right like yeah they're um, tight like those are skinny jeans to the cable thighs, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know like his thighs are literally three or four times wider than his head just like incredible stuff um, see but here's the thing with with criticisms of anatomy one, I kind of don't care. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't really like, this care is, most of the like, time. Like, it's comics. Either, like, you can be weird and stylistic and have tics, yeah. and that can be your style. Like, Bill Sienkiewicz anatomy is oh, not sure. realistic, no, I'm, right? I'm it's not, not actually it's not even down complaining to earth. about it. Like, no, I'm just saying that yeah. it comes up so often with him as a creator. And their example, like example going around today is, of course, his famous Captain America with the pecs that are literally like four feet like, off his I chest. I like that drawing. Yeah, that I, yeah, and it looks it looks goofy as hell. But it's like I, that piece of it alone, like if that was if, if that's anyone's like primary consideration or like primary problem with these stories, to me, that's actually not a heck of a like criticism. No, um, really. because it's just like, well, that's that's a stylistic tick. Like there's a lot of like Kyle Baker is an art, like a cartoonist who like has done amazing work. His stuff doesn't look realistic. You know, you could go on and down, down the line. Um, let's, let's talk about quick before we get to X-Force and, and really dig in the transition at the end of new mutants. Um, basically we get, you know, kind of, we get the dissolution of this team and we get the dissolution of this era of them living in the X mansion again with like no adult supervision <laughs> for yep. the longest time. Like they have been abandoned by the the parents and the adults of mutant kind, um, you know, including Professor X and Magneto. And here we find we get like Roberto, his father, 
um, who who we've seen is kind of like you know has a role in Hellfire Club and has a lot of power and influence. He is murdered by this new character. <laughs> that, that's actually uh, specifically Gideon. the scene where it's like he's served a drink, I think, and the shot yeah. of him drinking it, the, his facial expression while he drinks it is literally the same as his facial expression of like rictus pain as he <laughs> dies <laughs> from the poison in the drink. Well, not not a lot of people know this, but if you drink a if you have a drink that tastes like poison, you're you're going to react fast. Like yeah. your your first <laughs> sip, you're going to go straight to poison mode. Um yeah, so he's he's killed. This sets Roberto on a path of like kind of like teaming up with Gideon. I think we're going to see Gideon. I I felt like He's I a new character. <laughs> okay, is he new? Yeah. So he's he also, he's brand new. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cuz does do a thing where he talks about characters as if you should know them. And he does like, that with Tolliver. Tolliver it's like Tolliver exactly. sent me. And Tolliver, I was, you know, yeah. I googled that. Cause I was like, oh, I, it's someone from. Well, it Genosha becomes a thing or something. But no, 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 no. It's yeah. new. Um, and and that was actually kind of cool when they introduce Cable because like Freedom Force and like Blob would show up and be like, oh, Cable, that guy. And it's like this is actually the first time we're seeing him, but there's an allusion to shared history that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like that approach, even if it's a little confusing in the moment yeah. um, of being like, wait, who the hell's Tolliver? And it's like, yeah, we don't actually know anything about him yet. Um, but what are the what are the other big things that happen with the New Mutants? Uh, Richter gets called like pube face by boom boom there's there's a there's a specific pube based nickname that i was very unsure of and i I think it was meant to reference like puberty but it didn't come across well um but regardless he goes off to genosha to find rain sinclair so he's out in the wind and again basically the only ones who stay behind are sam guthrie uh cannonball and uh boom boom technically and then cable puts together his new team of feral Mm -hmm. who is a wolf-like morlock who's being hunted by Mask and the Morlocks, and yep. basically seeks asylum with Cable's team. And then Shatterstar, who very strangely shows up, like, basically as a long shot style um, escapee from the Mojoverse. And yeah. he's got a sword that is two swords. Okay, <laughs> two so, swords, right. y'all. Come like, on. Yeah, th- I mean, that, <laughs> two that blades, is, one hill. That's pure, like, <laughs> this makes no sense, but, like, isn't it cool? And, like, it, it's yeah. kind of cool. It works. Um, it zippers what, on the thigh the, pockets, man. I love it. One of the it. best. <laughs> One of the best moments here is Shatterstar stabbing himself to stab through uh, one of those soldiers that attacks them. I don't actually remember the yeah yeah one of one of the Morlock soldiers, um, like stabbing himself <laughs> through the torso to stab the other guy Such in a like cool a double move. page spread, a uh, double page spread, splash page. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it works great. And th- those like there are really like a few individual moments where he really you know, pours on the gas to do a, a big splashy page that worked great. And that's, that's definitely one of them. Like that page yeah. is excellent. Yeah. So by the time we get to the end of new mutants, the, the epilogues, and I forgot to mention James Proudstar, who he tries to return to his reservation where his family is, finds it kind of destroyed, or at least he finds, you know, the smoking crater. It's very, uh, I, I felt very Luke Skywalker going back to Tatooine, right? In, Super in confusing Hope. of like, what that, that was one of the worst like drawn scenes. <laughs> That we've seen. Yeah, it was really confusing. Yeah, yeah. That, that one I'm, page is just like he. Oh, sorry, Jeremy, you, you go on. No, no, no. no I, I just I was agreeing with you. I was just not along. Yeah. yeah, just like he walks. It it, it the, the entire page is like him approaching the desert, and then he finds a mask and just starts screaming. <laughs> and like the the actual layout of it is really confusing to what is happening. Um, yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Here I've got it. He Emma jumps Frost out. He goes no, no, no. Club. And then he just looks at the sky and screams, "Why?" And and then he's like, big mistake, Emma Frost, big mistake. And I'm like, I don't know what she did. Like, what what happened here? 
<laughs> like there's no, you never actually see any damage. Like you're looking at it now, there's smoke in the distance and that's kind of all you ever see. It's very, there's very a possibility fun. she was just having like a, like a, a grill out with his family. Yeah, like a pig roast. And he right? really, <laughs> he's really upset that she went and met his family and didn't invite him. <laughs> we can't rule it out. The evidence. Um, but then the other, the other big ending piece here is we toss it back to Strife who's been this villain who uh, Liefeld introduces. He has the best spiky metal armor. I love it unabashedly. I'm super into it. We meet, uh, or we're reconnected with some of the Mutant Liberation Front, which is their uh, quote-unquote terrorist organization. You know, they're kind of going to be clearly the antagonists and sort of the opposite of Cable's X-Force for good. You know, the, the murder for good versus the murder for bad arms of the mutant uh, confrontation here. But the big reveal at the end of issue 100 is Strife takes off his helmet and he looks a heck of a lot like Cable with his hair dyed blonde. And I don't think that's going to stick, but that is the coloring that we see in New Mutants 100. Uh, Jeremy, Zach, was this a, is this actually a surprise? Like, I don't remember. I know so much about Strife and Cable. Like, was this actually surprising to either of you? I have the opposite thing where I remembered this fact and literally nothing else about Strife. Okay. <laughs> like I just <laughs> I remember that he was cable somehow. I don't remember if it's time travel, alternate dimension shenanigans. I just I don't remember a lot of it, any of this. I don't a lot of the details of it. So like, you know, Strife lifts off the helmet and he's cable. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I totally remember this." But how? <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't know that unless we do it for Days of Future Cast, I don't know that I have a full like 90 issue run mm. to find out all the details yeah, right, yeah. on this. The, the specifics of this were uh, surprising to me because I didn't know this. I mean, not a surprise. Like I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it because I I don't know, like time travel shenanigans are uh, pretty commonplace. Although like the the whole thing of like different, like the same person being different people that makes sense different identities like across times that that doesn't actually come up that often so maybe it it's like a cool twist in a comic that i don't care about <laughs> right like that i, I don't uh, have that much care for but it, it was not that surprising because i do know cables like whole time travel thing is super wild and uh see but that hasn't come up a lot in it, the it, actual i know comics that i know read. no not not at all so like i i only know that just from his like reputation so that that's probably why it wasn't that surprising right Right, because there's allusions at this point, and there's references of like, it, and I don't, I don't know if this is Liefeld actually being kind of like surprisingly adept at seeding things, and kind of the like, there's a mystery to Cable that is actually played out pretty slowly. Um, given yeah, like this sure. could have just launched with like he's the time traveling Merc with the robotic arm and just going head on mm -hmm. into the action, and they actually don't really do that. Like, there's a fair amount of mystery to like what his deal is is like at this point i think if you're reading this in the moment and i i don't actually know because i didn't have this experience but like it kind of feels like you'd think like oh cable leading these kids and also he's strife like you wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. know the time travel component to it or at least that wouldn't be super clear um but regardless that takes us into x-force the new series launch x-force number one would become at the time the best-selling comic of all time soon to be so basically marvel in 1991 they go Todd McFarlane launches Spider-Man number one. That becomes the best-selling comic of all time. Then Liefeld's X-Force number one comes out. That's now the best-selling comic of all time. And then that is all outdone by Jim Lee and Chris Claremont together on the X-Men number one relaunch. Uh, it became the best-selling comic of all time, and I think it still is, as far as I know. Uh, so, But X-Force, it comes. there's this huge fandom around this. Like, It's definitely connecting with the Marvel Comics audience of the time. And That, that factoid... Yeah, makes me like that. That is one of the, the 
that that fact makes it is sorry uh just shows like how much i am out of sync with the like the zeitgeist of comic books at this <laughs> this time right like <laughs> that fact is wild to me and and you know also just really reiterates like yeah this is for teenagers i guess why why like, is it surprising this is for i guess i've never uh, found it surprising it's not, i don't know if it's surprise i mean it's a little surprising because they're not that good but uh but they look so different and they look very cool yeah, I, yeah. yeah I'm, i guess i'm i'm it's less that it's uh surprising and more just that like it underlines how like absolutely like different my tastes are than the the zeitgeist in the like well 30 years ago as well i mean so yeah, jeremy but... jeremy you were collecting still, these that'll make like... me feel old as hell yeah i don't want to i don't want to attack you here but you were collecting people these like what was it that that sold you though right like um i mean i remember at the time yeah. like you mentioned like the mystery of cable um these were all new characters it was kind of still had x-men vibes and i was 11 like i i ate all <laughs> yeah. of this stuff up y'all like i just oh, sure. i just i like the big huge costumes the action scenes the dumbass excuse me the dumb like quips oh, back no. and forth like <laughs> it was it, all of that stuff at 11 like i just ate it all up like left and right and you know what he was i think what he was really doing like creating all of these weird like pocket universes in marvel that didn't ha- all of a sudden didn't have cyclops didn't have gene didn't have wolverine right like mm. And even at 11 years old, I was kind of done with Wolverine. <laughs> like, you just had read a lot of those comics. Like, I, I, I sucked up yeah, everything sure. I could I could find. So, by the time we get to this, it's new and it's fresh. And Cable, like, his eye is like a star, maybe? I don't know. I'm 11. I don't know what's going on with that eye, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, this is the, uh, what, one of these X-Force issues is the one where I realized that his star eye is not the eye that is all scratched up. Right? <laughs> like, he's got one eye with scars all over it. It's the other eye that glows, like all uh, all bright. Mm-hmm. That's that's a wild detail. That's, but it's that's like, two stories, no, is what bo- that is. Two eyes, two <laughs> stories, baby. Um, no, I, exactly. I think that's fair. And Jeremy, I think that's a really good point in that there's a newness to X Force that is actually quite exciting in in terms of X Men stories to this point because we've been in the Claremont verse for 16 years, and I love it. I love it to death. Um, but that's a lot of comics, <laughs> and it's a lot of characters rotating and telling occasionally similar stories. I mean, Zach, that's been a criticism of yours as we've gotten in the later years is, like, yeah. I feel like they're rehashing similar beats. And not that there are a ton of, like, real new thematic and and thought-provoking ideas that come out necessarily in X-Force, but there is at least that newness of, like, yeah, we're playing with totally new characters, and that's a really typically a very hard sell like even if you launch a marvel comic series today and it's all new characters that's a tough sell um so to do that with i mean basically the only recurring ones here are i don't know what you'd call them b tier c tier new mutants you know cannonball and boom boom you know these aren't the stars of the x-men universe um that's kind of a bold play but it also shows i think the appetite that there is in the audience at this point in time for for newness and for this visual, visually distinct style, obviously that would you know basically is the image movement, which is Liefeld, McFarlane, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, all these creators who are like, we're young, we grew up on these Claremont comics, and now we want to do our own thing, and we want to make our own characters and make our own stories, um, and that comes through, you know whether whether Liefeld's ready to be doing that in 1991 or not um, is an argument you can have, but definitely he's having fun and like kind of he's putting it all out there on the page as far as like these are the types of big explosive stories I want to tell and I kind of appreciate that. I don't like I don't actually love these comics. I don't think they're great. I think they're okay. Um 
you, we bring in Juggernaut, we bring in Black Tom, we bring in some traditional X-Men stuff, um, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, giving them, like, villains to fight as they, you know, smash up uh, the World Trade Center, which is really weird to read um, these days. But it's like, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's all kind of, it's very skippable, it's very skimmable, I suppose, in terms of the actual So I literally, content. I read the first two, and I feel bad, because I, I don't, tr- I deliberately try not to do this. By, like, the third issue of X-Force, I was like... I'm just looking at the art, baby. Yeah, yeah just gonna yeah. skim through. You don't really need to read the dialogue. Like a lot of the dialogue is just battle quips and stuff. Like it, you can just you can smooth skip it. Yeah, because even like reading X Force one and two, I often was just like, oh my, they're in a fight now. Who is this? Who are they fighting? I don't really know like why they're in a fight with this person or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a team. Who are these? You know, anonymous like bad guys they're fighting. Um, but like it looks cool because that that's the thing. Like. You're saying, like, it's this huge shift. It's a huge style shift, and I, I kind of want to applaud that. Um, I just think, like, I think it's a mistake to put Liefeld at the helm of plotting it, right? Like, I, I just don't think he has the capability of doing that. Um, while I can still recognize that, like, this style is so unlike anything we've ever seen, even compared to, like, the um, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Spider-Man stuff that we've seen, which has also been a huge style shift. Like, this is even more out there, right? Like, I, I feel like this is even bigger and weirder and you know shifting the the compass in a um you know an otter direction for uh for all of marvel so um to springboard yeah, something of... dave said ahead, earlier like there's not only like an appetite for newness but i mean in 91 like this was the first time that like collectible comics became kind of a known thing Mm. Um, like it, it hit the mainstream in a way that's really tough, tough to describe nowadays when you look at 23 Marvel movies. But like, again, like I I go back to this example because I I love it so much that like, you know, my grandmother thinking that she was investing in my future by buying me X-Men books. Like that was the market. Yeah. Yeah, That that was like, that's why we had these huge sellers because I mean, you would go to a comic book shop and it was, that that was, I mean, it was huge. It was so big. Like it, it felt like it had just blown up overnight and even though, like, X-Men comics have been around for 40 years or 30 years at that point. Like, it's it's kind of wild to think that, it, that I, they popped yeah. off in that way. But I think they fi- well, I mean, finally caught the, mainstream attention. It's that perfect storm of the, you know, the, the collector's market all hitting at once. Because it's not a mistake that X-Force number one, X-Men number one, and Spider-Man number one are, like, the top three selling comics of all time, right? Like, it's, I mean, I, I think it is. They're reaching the height of their popularity it's a new wave of freshness and like fresh artists ushering in this like big exciting specifically exciting to like teenagers i think like uh market um for for these this art and that well um, i mean it's not like it's not like the the audience before this though was like you know 38 year old lawyers (laughs) like it's not not like it shifted that dramatically (laughs) i don't know you i i you you can kind of see like i i feel like this this era feels like it is pushing the average like age down a little bit, right? Like, I have a hard time. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Or I mean, it's just catering was, to more of them. Into it, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I just like. I feel like. I wonder. I wonder what the age breakdown on you know the like the average Claremont reader was if it is like high schoolers and college aged people because I I feel like this would alienate a lot of college readers. Um, would be like, oh, okay, this is kitty stuff that was something right? i kept thinking Versus when like, i was reading this of like how old was liefeld when he was writing some of this stuff because like, like 24 25 i just can't imagine writing some of these lines 
at, at that age. You know what I'm saying? Like they're so mm-hmm. corny and cheesy. Like I would feel like just in my own personal writing that I don't share to anybody. I'd be like, nah, bro, you can't put that pen to paper and do that. Like that's terrible. <laughs> and uh, some of that is looking back and there's a, an age gap to that, right? That was 30 years ago. But some of that is also like, I'm going to invent the new slang and it, it does not work at all. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you like coming back to these comics I, I find them like interesting artifacts from history I don't really find them very yeah. good uh, I get a lot yeah. of enjoyment from the art the, the art is just I, I, I just I don't know if it, it just it's just like my teenage years or whatever but like it just films fills me with warmth <laughs> oh it's I mean it's really fun especially when he goes all like he's much better at the big splash page when he does a big splash page or the covers often um it could be a lot of fun. In X Force number four is all double wide um, pages. Like every every page is like double wide, which is fun. It's a fun experiment. It doesn't always work because he doesn't know how to like fill them properly all the time. But uh, no, I appreciate the ambition like, there, though. And, and yeah, I mean, wait, it, I, I remembered this line. Here's here's the line that I, I found where uh, Shatterstar is fighting. I don't know a guy who looks like Domino. I'm not sure who this guy is. Reaper. The first fight, yeah. X Force number one. Reaper. Okay. Oh yeah, he's got a big sickle. And uh, Shatterstar's come to die. And then Reaper says, "The killing game is best left to those willing to kill." <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. It, McFarlane actually did a really similar line, uh, where it was like, uh, the, "The lizard's like the lizard has been programmed uh, with the mind of a killer." one that kills and it was like almost identical the same sure but you know what though like you could pull from uh, a 1974 jerry conway story or or some 70s bronze age marvel horror stuff and you'd find similarly comical you know duplicative kind of writing like you just would um from creators that we think highly of now as well so not to like totally give them an out but you could absolutely do that i got i got good taste i wouldn't do that got him got (laughs) him so all right so in x-force uh x-force one through four i mean there's not really a lot of like plot to summarize for somebody like really it's just like it's the battle of cable and his his new team continues versus the mutant liberation front kind of as the backdrop um there's some really i think interesting potential like modern reconciliation of the mutant liberation front that could happen um and that maybe will happen with like contemporary writers it does not happen in (laughs) x-force i find them (laughs) i find members of this organization i think interesting in terms of like okay now that they're older mutants and they participated in this known you know again like in quotes terrorist organization like how does that align with the mutant cause and and the progression of mutants in the marvel universe here in 2021 i think that's interesting um again though this this comic is not interested in exploring that um yeah i mean like i think kind of we said it all like these are the style is everything the substance is somewhat minimal there are a lot of character creations that will uh that will be around right and i think that's kind of Probably, if anything, like that is probably Liefeld's gift is to just put them all on the page and say, here's eight cool as hell new looking characters. And somebody else could do a great job with these, I bet. Like Domino, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's a cool design. And from what I know, Domino, she goes on to be like pretty neat. Uh, I mean, at least in the movies, right? Like she's a cool (laughs) career in Deadpool, too. Um, I... Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, like, I mean, this is, this is praise for this, is um, X-Force number four has Juggernaut in it. It was really cool seeing, like, Liefeld's take on Juggernaut. Yeah, I like and it. And it made me be like, hey, I want to just see, like, his interpretation of all the Marvel characters. I, like, I just kind of want to see what he does with 
like literally anyone. I just want to see like what he does with uh, I I don't know Green Goblin. What does Green Goblin look like? So oh, many teeth and so what many is, teeth. What does Doctor Strange <laughs> and they're all Doctor so flat. Strange look like? Right, like just just kind of seeing his interpretation. And it was fun because we skipped over to a McFarlane issue here. Um, it Spider-Man crosses over with Spidey. Sixteen is issue yeah. sixteen. Which, yeah. yeah. Totally not essential, but again, fun just to watch like McFarlane, like his version of Juggernaut is super fun. He does these like Juggernaut's incredibly wide smile. And, I, I, uh, I really like, enjoyed th- that little crossover issue. Like it wasn't required at all, but I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch reading comic books. Let's, let's go ahead and do the thing. Um, and yeah, yeah that it, it, you know, it's, it was weird because I'm so used to sp- reading Spidey a little bit younger than he is at this time in the comics. So like he's talking about the the kids and the X Force or whatever, and I'm like, aren't you 13? Like what what is going on? <laughs> so it's kind of difficult to realign your head. Yeah, he's like um, he's a married man. Yeah. Spider Man's Spider Man's the old guard at that point when he's dealing with yeah. the X Force kids, which is funny. Um, I, I did we didn't touch on this either, but I did actually appreciate in X Force we get another version of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, this time led by Toad, which is actually a really clever idea to take, you know, Magneto's lackey, this character that really had, like, very little has been done with him, um, and to really try to make him a sinister threat is comical and entertaining. So Toad puts together a team of, like, Sauron and Blob and Pyro, and Zach, to your point about seeing the Liefeld verse of, of Marvel, you know, his artistic, like, take on these. I like him doing these known Marvel villains, um, especially like Pyro or the blob. Um, I, I actually have a lot of time or Sauron too, is another one that artists just can have a field day with, uh, cause he's a flying vampire dinosaur man. And, and that has a lot of opportunity. So that is actually fairly entertaining. If again, like, I don't know that it really goes anywhere. <laughs> I don't know that it has a lot to say. <laughs> can I, can I point out one more moment that I really liked, uh, from, from new mutants 99 cable is sitting down with, uh, James James Proudstar, and uh, and he's being like, I need to prepare you for war. And James is like, Aren't you being a little dramatic, Mister Cable? <laughs> is this when they're wearing suits in a diner? Because that's Absolutely. also incredible yes. detail. Yeah, in the weirdest like this. The, the thing about like one of one of Liefeld's strengths, or one of, one of his big weaknesses, is spaces. Like the spaces are just impossible. Like, what is this restaurant? The restaurant is so weird to look at, and it's very, it's a very like. Cable is simultaneously in a room that has no walls, and in the next shot, the wall is immediately behind him. <laughs> like, they are pinned in by walls. Anyway. It just makes me think um, Liefeld has never been to, like, a three-star restaurant at this point in his life, right? Like, he's just got, like, a movie idea of, like, a guy is going to come in with one of these and hand down a... Because I can see myself, I'm doing video, not audio work, but a guy's going to come down with, like, a silver cover cover platter and like you know release the french onion soup or something and i'm like i don't all in new york like go to a bodega and get a sandwich like what are you doing yeah it's it's very odd they're both drinking martinis but not out of like chrome martini glasses anyway so yes aren't you being a little dramatic and cable goes there are five kinds of mutants. The mollifiers, the abusers, the used, the hunted, the hidden. I'm trying to create a sixth kind. And it's like, he's like about to pull out his calipers to like, starting like, I can classify every kind of mutant. Like, very strange. Really weird. Like, Liefeld clearly has some specific idea he wants here and is not clear what it is. Because I don't know what this like, classification of mutants uh, means. But I that, that scene cracked me up. Yeah. So, alright. So I think we're all kind of on the same page here. Um... Again, like as historical artifacts, you kind of have to read these. Like you have, it's it's kind of if you're get, if you're doing the my marvelous year journey and you're going through Marvel history from its origins to today, this is a this is a milestone. Like it absolutely is, and I sure. think you know it's not 
it's not a quality milestone, but it is um, just kind of that cultural shift, like few things tap into what is happening in comics, like what is the image revolution that is coming more than New Mutants transitioning to X-Force. Um, and like you said, like there are, I think there, I don't know how much self-awareness they had at the time, but there are definitely these moments of comedy, like, you know, the Cable and James scene you just described, um, like Cable, like being in the library, just fully suited up, like he's a straight up librarian. Like there's all these moments of like design That's work where I'm like, yet. Cable's like, <laughs> like he's not funny at all anymore, but putting him in these situations is kind of comical. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's fun to check out. If nothing else, you can kind of do it with a nod and a wink. And then, uh, and then move on to what's going to be coming in X Men. So, all right, I think we'll wrap the conversation of X Force of New Mutants and X Force here, and we're going to be back shortly with some interesting Wolverine stories in, I guess, what will be 1991 Part Four. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We decided to split this one up, so going to have this means that 1991 has not three but four all mutant focused episodes four out of the seven yeah all mutant. i was gonna ask you do we do do we call this 1991 part three part one and then the next <laughs> one <laughs> how annoying goes with it? <laughs> all right uh thanks jeremy for joining um where, where can people find you again what's your your handle um at jg greer on twitter days of for x-men related stuff uh, monster of the week dot cool for supernatural TV show related stuff. Um, and you want to talk about convoluted history there. Um, mm. <laughs> thank you guys very much for having me on. This has been a ton of fun talking about X-Men and X-Force and tiny feet. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. And we'll see you, see you next week for our coverage of those Wolverine. Comics. I'll be back on the couch. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Uh, you can find more from us at uh comic book Herald at my marvelous year. And uh, patreon.com slash my marvelous year if you're interested in supporting the show. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece. I'm Dave. He's Zach. We'll see you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.